the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. The title of tonight is Gifted. And of course, that reminds us that Christmas is coming. And as Christmas is coming, it's time to start buying gifts. I don't know how many more days there are left till Christmas to, to buy anything, but the time is getting shorter. And that recalled to me the, uh, an article that the magazine Witch had uh, published um, back for the survey they did in, at the beginning of this year, back in January. And uh, the consumer champion apparently surveyed about 1,800 members of the public who'd received a Christmas present and found that a quarter had received an unwanted or unsuitable gift last Christmas. And then when asked a bit more detail what they did with it, and one in four said they'd given it away, one in seven exchanged it for something else, and fewer than 8% returned the gift. And which also found that, I don't know what relevance it may be, but women were more likely than men to give away their presents, that's worth three in 10, as opposed to men, which was one in five. And they also uh, gathered some information about what was the worst Christmas gifts that uh, they've received. And among these, people came up with uh, a dustpan and brush, out-of-date chocolates, and something else on the chocolate theme was somebody received a hundred pounds worth of, of dairy chocolate, which sounds great, apart from the fact they were allergic to them and were completely unable to eat them. So, what's that all about? Well, quite simply, if we're looking at gifts and the gifts that God gives, there is no danger that they are unwanted, unneeded, or won't be useful. So, let's read the passage. The passage is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're beginning at verse 1. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking of the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So, starting at verse 1, Paul is writing in response to a question from the church at Corinth, a question about spiritual gifts. You see that in verse 1, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Obviously they don't uh, understand, that we don't quite know what they, they specifically the question was, but it's something uh, about some overemphasis of the gifts of the Spirit, probably tongues, that they were um, saying that tongues was much more important uh, showing off, being proud of, of the gift that they had. And, and maybe at the same time, um, and you can probably pick this up as you as read through the letter and, and see as Paul tries to balance out arguments, maybe there was a reaction to that amongst some, that some were uh, 
overemphasizing these spectacular manifestations of the spirits. And maybe others said, no, that, that is not right. And, and almost saying, we don't want anything to do with this. And we can see Paul pulling both sides into the right place. He encourages them to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, but he also challenges misuse. He, he, he um, challenges abuse and he challenges disuse and looks for proper right use. And of course, that feels very relevant today. Now, we're going to look in detail about some of the things that Paul says about spiritual gifts. But before we start, I need to say, what do I mean by spiritual gift? And there's a difficulty here. It's a bit like uh, defining what a fish is. If any of you have watched the program QOI, they have this um, theme almost of uh, there's no such thing as a fish. A fish is incredibly hard to define if you're, if you're a biologist. Um, I'm, I'm not one, so I'm sort of struggling a little bit here, but it, it's you can see something and you can give all sorts of characteristics of fish-like qualities but you're trying to put it into groups and uh, the difference between one fish and another is, is greater than say a, a fish and, and a dog. There's there no way of easily defining it. And, it. and it's a bit like that with the manifestation of the spirit. It, it's, we can look at them and we can see characteristics of them and we can understand what is meant by them. But as soon as you define it, it gets complex. And I think we're moving away from what God has inspired in his word. Paul doesn't define gifts, he tells us about them. He, he's not looking to tell us what, what it is, but how it should be used. So I, I'm going to give a very simple definition, which is quite broad, uh, but it's, I think it ties in with what, what Paul is saying here. A manifestation of the Spirit is a supernatural ability given by God. Paul doesn't define it, but we can learn a lot about it. And the first thing, number one, is there is one spirit. The spirit is the source of all spiritual gifts. Paul emphasizes the point that there's one giver of, of gifts. The spirit appears in verse 4, verse 9, verse 9 again, and verse 11 finishes off by saying one and the same. Again and again, the same spirit, the same spirit, one spirit, one and the same. And he makes a similar point in verses 4 to 6, when he refers to all the persons of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God the Father. So, one spirit, the spirit, the source of spiritual gifts. But one spirit, one spirit means that they are gifts that are given by the spirit, but they are not rewards. The spirit's gifts are not rewards. Uh, they're not earned. And I think the trouble was that the Corinthians had forgot that spiritual gifts are quite simply gifts. Um, if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, you can see that they're not earned because someone's a great person. And they're not a mark of spirituality or, or spiritual maturity. Last week, Richard Judd mentioned how the Corinthians had an obsession with status and success. And... I think this comes through uh, in their attitude to gifts, that they can see them as a symbol of status, a symbol of success, a symbol that God is pleased with them. And I think that's partly why carrying on in that uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 
in through to verse 8, Paul is distinctly sarcastic in responding to them and point out to them that they may think they've arrived, but Paul doesn't think he has. Now, how can they see something they have been given as a symbol of the fact of their, their great spirituality? And I think that leads on to the Corinthians showing off their gifts. But gifts are about the giver and not the gift itself. Definitely not about the user of the gift. And the giver is the Spirit. And the Spirit seeks to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. To exalt the Lord Jesus. In John chapter 16, uh, Jesus is talking about the coming of the Spirit. And he says the Spirit's role is, is to glorify him. Is to bring glory to Jesus. So, that's the next point. The Spirit is at work when Jesus is exalted. Let's look at verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is at work when someone says, Jesus is Lord. That's spiritual manifestation. Now, it doesn't mean that just by saying the word, Jesus is Lord, makes you a Christian. It doesn't mean the Spirit is working through you. We're sure we've had experience in our lives. We've known people who are in no way are following the Lord Jesus Christ, but may have said Jesus is Lord because it's part of um, maybe a school or some, some event. And the words may come out, but th there's no depth behind them. And to help better understand what it means when to say Jesus Lord, I want us to think about what it was like to be a Christian in Corinth in the Roman Empire. If you became a Christian and you were a Jew, you were likely to be thrown out of your family. If you were in business and you had all sorts of networks and people you worked with, you like to lose those as you no longer uh, engage with them in, in the same temple worship or pagan ceremonies and you'd potentially lose money. And of course, if you're a Roman citizen in just a few years' time, the act of saying Jesus is Lord was a crime. It was rebellion against the emperor. Let me give you some examples. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, in commenting on, on these verses and what it means to say Jesus is Lord, says this. In his book, Joy Unspeakable, he says, a man or a woman who says Jesus is Lord and means what he says is one who has surrendered his life to him. This is the profoundest statement of all. It is the ultimate. Not only the acceptance of the faith, but committal of oneself to it, casting all one's hopes and fears and everything upon him, taking up the cross and following him. And then Gordon Fee, the Pentecostal uh, theologian, uh, in, in God's empowering presence, leads us to and thinks, what does that mean in our lives in terms of um, the Spirit and giving glory to Jesus? Gordon Fee says, The presence of the Spirit in power and gifts makes it easy for God's people to consider the power and gifts as the real evidence of the Spirit's presence. Not so for Paul. The ultimate criterion of the Spirit's activity is the exaltation of Jesus as Lord, Whatever takes away from that, even if they be legitimate expressions of the Spirit, begins to move away from Christ to a more pagan fascination 
with spiritual activity as an end in itself. If Jesus is Lord, the Holy Spirit is in you. We are people who follow the Lord Jesus, who have him as our Lord, and we are people of the Spirit. We, we are truly charismatics in, in, in the biblical sense. And that's important because we live in an increasingly hostile world. We will face increasing attacks for living as Jesus, as our Lord. In the same way that Roman citizens faced attacks, we will face increasing hostility. We are nowhere near that level of hostility yet, but it is growing. And we need to recognise that we need the Holy Spirit to help us and his role to, to enable us to live. So to be able to say and to live that Jesus is Lord is a true manifestation of the Spirit. So Paul's made the point that there's one Spirit. That Spirit is a source of spiritual gift. Those gifts are not rewards. That Spirit is at work when Jesus is exalted. Next point. There are different gifts. The gifts have a huge variety. There's one giver, but there's a great variety in the gifts. This is a good verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Again and again, the word different. And I think that's the nature of God. He creates. Uh, I, I read the comment that God creates snowflakes, each one unique and special in its own right. And we as human beings, we make ice cubes. And there's a huge variety of gifts, not just in, in verses 8 to 10, as we see later, but um, in a number of places uh, within the uh, New Testament. Um, uh, Don Carson has very helpfully uh, provided this, uh, a list of those different gifts and put them in the table. There are other other other. Uh, lists. This is probably uh, generally agreed on as uh, the most uh, accurate list, but I, I don't want to, to limit ourselves to that because I just need to think of the number of gifts that uh, the Spirit gives. And it's not just limited not to this chapter, not just the New Testament, but in the Old Testament we see uh, gifting given to different people. So the gifts have a huge variety and, and we probably can't grasp what that variety is. The gifts may have variety, but the gifts have one purpose. Verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Um, in verse 5, we also read the words um, service. That's what gifts are given for. Or if you want to look at uh, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, um, hear Peter saying very much the same thing. Peter says this. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We use the gifts for others, not for ourselves. David Jackman puts it this way. Indeed, the measure of the greatness of any spiritual gift is not its degree of impressiveness or its apparent miraculous nature, but its usefulness in building up the body of Christ in love and in truth. We have to consider how gifts build up others. 
So if you have a, if you have a, a gift, a spiritual gift, you need to consider how are you using it to build up others? Do you want a spiritual gift? Well, how will it help others? How will it build up the church? How will it um, help others to grow? Because the church needs different gifts. There's so much to do. Different needs, different work. And the Lord has chosen to work through his people, so he gives gifts. Think of, think of a toolbox. Um, it's possibly a little bit irreverent, this, but I, I, I think it works. There's a, there's a toolbox. Imagine you open up a toolbox and see all the tools in there, spanners, screwdrivers, hammers, whatever they are. And the Lord, by his spirit, lifts out a tool and says, OK, I've got this gift of administration. need to use that. And gives it to one person. And picks out another one. Gift of helps. Somebody who's going to use and gives it to somebody to use. Prophecy gives it to somebody else. And so on and so on. And so let's try and look at some of maybe the tools in that toolbox. I'm going to read from uh, verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, still another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, on any of these, as we look at them, we cannot be precise. It is incredibly difficult to be precise on most of them because Paul's purpose was, was not to show... Um, it was not to define them, but it was to demonstrate the variety of the gifts. So we have to be um, try and use other parts of Scripture to help us. We have to uh, be careful how definite we are, and I think that's a danger that it's easy to fall into. So I will try and give what what I think it is a reasonable explanation, very briefly of them. I won't talk about prophecy or tongues because they're covered in more detail in chapter 14 and will be covered later in the series and I'm also going to skip over miracles and healing not because I, I fully understand and explain it but it's much more about um, I think most people will understand you know, roughly what miracles and, and healing is but some of the other gifts which may not be quite so well known so first of all word of wisdom word of knowledge I'll put these together as I find it quite hard to separate uh, both wisdom and knowledge, very important to the Corinthians. Look in the earlier chapters. Now, this is about not knowing things or being wise. Uh, it, it's an utterance. It's a word. It's it's a spoken word from God. Uh, so, uh, and it's it's. I think it's more of a spoken word for now, for something which is happening now. So think of, in terms of wisdom, think of Jesus. In response to the critics who are trying to trap him and catch him out, he had wisdom and he spoke that wisdom. Or think again of Jesus when he's talking to the Samaritan woman at the well and, and he had an insight into her life and he spoke that knowledge and thereby um, was able to reach into her life and, and convince her of, of who he was. So that's word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Faith. Now faith, there's all sorts of different types of faith. Uh, this, this can't be saving faith because all believers uh, have that. So I would see this as, as probably as faith um, in God for a specific situation. So an example might be a, a missionary in, in a hostile area who's been there for many years 
and has to rely on have that faith from God to uh, get through each day and get through uh, the years. Or maybe George Muller, the, the, um, who looked after so many orphans in the, in the Bristol area, and he had tremendous faith that God would provide. Even when there seemed to be no money in the bank, no food, he had faith and God provided. And the, the last one to look at very briefly is distinguishing spirits. And I think very rightly Paul identifies this one because if gifts are being used, which they were in the Corinthian church, then we need to know that they come from the Holy Spirit. So it's a very useful gift to, to help us understand what's coming from, from God, what's coming from the enemy, and maybe what's coming from our own spirits within us and, and just our own desires, what's in there. So we've looked at the, uh, the different gifts. We've seen that there's great variety. We've seen that there's one purpose. Maybe different gifts, but they're also different people. And this is the final section that we, we will look at. So there's different people. There's different people for different gifts. There are different gifts, and as each person is given them, the Spirit determines what they are. See that in, in verse 4 and verse, uh, verse 11. The Spirit determines. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts. And the gift is decided by the Holy Spirit. We, we don't get to choose. Now, I find that can be difficult at times because we can see in some people's lives and they're Obviously, something is not right there, but they are still gifted, and we wonder how that can be. Spiritually mature people can be gifted. People in sin can be gifted. Gifts are not rewards, as we discussed earlier. Think of Samson. Samson lived a semi-pagan lifestyle, but he was gifted by God. And think of some of the preachers um, we've known over the years who, who have been gifted, but have also drifted into sin and abuse and have still carried on their ministries whilst that was unknown. Um, Mike Pinavacci, many people will know from Soul Survivor, credible reports of abuse. Um, Mike Bickle, who, who's more from the Pentecostal side, very recently, International House of Prayer, very credible uh, abuse um, coming out from his life that um, whilst he was still ministering so god can use people but that is the nature of god he gives out gifts to different people and they are gifts and that should maybe be a reassurance to us that we may think i'm not worthy to receive a gift from god and the answer is we're not worthy to receive gifts from god but god does it and he uses things which are weak he uses earthen vessels and thereby he demonstrates his glory. So different gifts, so different people for different gifts, different people, not one person. Gifts go to different people. We see again the phrase uh, to another comes up again and again, particularly verses 8 to 10. So it's not a one-man band, it, it's more of an orchestra. You think of some of the musicians in an orchestra, some of them are very, very gifted and they can play multiple instruments. But what they do is they, they don't all play all of those, they play one and somebody else plays the other instrument and they all come together and they make a symphony. And it's that combination which is so effective. Rather than one person rushing around trying to do different things, they come together and it, it's, it's a beautiful 
piece of music. So different people for different gifts, different people, not one person. Different people and one people. The church may need different people, but we are still to be united. And that's one of the great sadnesses, I think, of uh, any discussions about spiritual gifts and the work of the Holy Spirit in, in, in the church is so often the division. There is one giver. How can we become divided because of gifts from one giver? There's a theme of variety and unity in this chapter. It particularly comes out um, in the second half of the chapter when we're looking at the body, and Gemma will be picking that up next week, I, I expect, so I won't go into any more detail, but there's variety and there's unity, and those are together, and maybe those are just a demonstration of who God is and what he's like. So, we've seen that there's one spirit. That spirit is a source of spiritual gifts, those, those gifts are not rewards, and the Spirit is at work when Jesus is exalted. We've seen that there are different gifts, and those gifts have great priority, and those gifts have one purpose. And we've seen there's different people, different people for different gifts, different people, not one person, different people and one people. And that leads us to the uh, final verse, verse 11. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. One spirit, one and the same spirit. Different gifts, all these. Different people, to each one. We are to be active with spiritual gifts. We, we have to respond. So obviously, if you have a gift, we have to use it for the glory of God. Think of the parable of the tenants, where Jesus talks about somebody who tries to hide his gift, not to use it. And if you have the gift being given by God for a purpose, and we are robbing others by not using it. But also, we should allow others to use their gift. So others may be gifted. and we it, It's part of, of our ministry to allow others and to be served by others. And that can be difficult for some people to be either make space for others to use the gift or just be willing to accept support and help from other people but that is something we can do to allow others to use their gift so a spirit is a giver of gifts and we are meant to use them shall we pray father i ask that your spirit will be working in our lives. That the gifts that we have are the gifts you want to give us. That you will enable us to use them in the right way and for the glory of your Son.